Hello and welcome to Women's Game. I'm Jack Target. And I'm Amber Tiara. And this week we'll discuss the top stories in the news and look back on another eventful weekend of women's football. And in this episode, we're discussing tailored training, a youngster side to defend a title, and why Phil Neville doesn't want us talking about Olympics. Mum's the word. And first up in our news, Chelsea women have become the first club in the world to tailor their training schedule to the players' menstrual cycles. And this is all um, to enhance performance and reduce injury rates. So, for you know, periods are actually main, main headline news in football. And it's for the best reasons possible, because I think this study is, or at least putting studies like this into practice is long overdue. And we have mentioned this on the podcast before, haven't we, Jack? Exactly. It's something we've been talking about a long time with their connection to ACL injuries and how it's obviously such a different thing that that is one of the big differences between men and women's football is obviously women do go through this different thing each month. And um, how can we help adapt it to make the game better? better? And, uh, you know, this is something that Chelsea have, have gone full in to try and to initiate this sort of thing to make it work. And it's all come from the boss, Emma Hayes. Um, she's been the driving force behind this after some personal experience that led her to think deeply about the connection between the players' energy and the mood and how it was directly impacted by their cycle. So all these little things and these kind of, in a way, you could say some you know marginal gains that they're trying to work out to try and make the performance better to be more successful well yeah you say marginal gains but especially when you look at the um if there are you know this strong correlation between the acl injuries that's huge because we've been mm. seeing a you know flurry of of players um across the world i guess you know even monthly suffering from that injury um and of course you wouldn't want anyone to to be able for that to happen without um w- with the I don't know, the right sort of resources to pre- prevent it for um, for sure. And it's funny what you say about even the energy and mood. And it's something which I I think I always felt was one of those flippant things that you could throw at a woman once a month. I know that sounds that sounds quite bad, but I think over time it has changed and become less taboo. And it is, it's good to for it to be recognised that this isn't just a, oh, it, yeah, who's moody in the locker room. It's not that at all, is it? It's to do with um, peak performance. And we're talking about, um, you know, professional athletes here um and if you're looking at about um energy levels and what the body is doing it's it's a, it's a strong science isn't it and so it's going to be fascinating to see um if any other teams do follow suit um and also if they if they obviously hopefully you presume there's going to be some positives coming out of um this on in terms of games and results yeah, I think there've been a few places in in the industry that have tried to sort of have a look at it a little bit maybe in some of the the individual like I mean athletics and stuff like that but to have this on a really big scale would be, it could be a game changer, which should be really positive for, for the game going forward and for women's sports in general across the world. Yeah. And for me, maybe I'll get some tips off the back of this. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but um, Emma Hayes did say that um, for too long, women's teams have been training in the same way as their male counterparts, which means performance um, hasn't been optimised. Um, Jack did, did allude to that there about this optimisation, looking at um, the genders separately. And obviously, from a species point of view, we, we do we do regulate slightly differently. Um, and she says, I'm a female coach in an industry where women have always been treated um, like small men. And the starting point um, is that we are women at all ultimately and we go through some very different changes to men on a monthly basis and it's it's quite funny how she just say being treated like small men because um not so long ago the, even the kits they were just small men's kits weren't they and um you know you had these professional players just playing in kits that were designed for for a small man and now we've got the whole it's taking it from the, the 
kits and now the training resumes and just seeing it as an entirely different sport altogether. I mean, that's what this podcast is celebrating. Um, it being a different game, of course, there are many things across it, but it's just great that we're seeing maybe movements that we've had from on a political scene, on a cultural scene, um, and socially really actually getting down to um, the nitty gritty side of, of training in football. Yeah, it's interesting to say small men's shirts. I think if you go further back, it was a large men's shirt. So it was extremely baggy, and then you ran around, and it was almost like a parachute on the back for some of these players. But um, it's not, you know, one thing that has been tailored. Obviously, now you've got the proper the, the kits that are more fitting and uh, better for them to be able to perform in it, which is is something which all this is kind of tailoring as the game gets bigger and, and making sure that it does this. And Emma Hayes mentioned about. That, that quote where she said that she's a woman in an industry where they've been always been treated like small men and it kind of backs to her point when she had that that mention about making the goalpost small, smaller and everyone jumped to her mm-hmm. thinking why are you doing that you can't do that it just makes things bad but her point wasn't making it smaller because of women you know because they're women it was more the fact yeah. that that's always been the way because it started off as men being the default when it said it should have been you know that's what she was questioning and this comes sort of into that that theory of that of obviously football has always been sort of started as a default as as a man and it's trying to think about different ways of it as for a woman's point of view of how that's going to be affected so it was it's really interesting obviously how that you know how she's going about this and trying to push the barriers and seeing what can be done and what can be changed as the game does grow because you're going to have these sort of things and um it's a perfect example of what Emma Hayes is is talking about there and what she's trying to do with with the team um and women's football in general um and they, they're saying about this new regime it's going to tailor training and nutrition programs it's going to help control weight and energy fluctuations throughout the month as well as reduce uh, susceptibility to soft tissue injuries which we know have been linked to the hormonal changes yeah it's it's interesting because it's not just what I always do is like grab a hot bottle and some hot chocolate it's not going to be this <laughs> but things like that you think there there is um, you look across women in general of course I'm, I'm being very silly about with with the chocolate in that sense but there are huge um common ground across all women and uh, you obviously might have heard um women sometimes sinking their cycle sinking if they're hanging around together quite a lot with all these pheromones and just if you're dealing with an entire team and let's just say one week over half your team are on their period it's going to massively affect that that kind of how you train and we have we've spoken before about teams do you know adjusting this um and the training regime is all to do with um i think it's um player input into an app so that they it can then be monitored by the staff um but all this when we've had the technology out for a while and you know putting in apps we've all got fitness apps and things like that but it's just using that more wisely um and i i'm obviously i adore emma hayes for, for championing things like this i know um the goalpost changing argument um wasn't a a, a huge hit among um, among football fans but I'm, I'm hoping this one is because it's something I can really get behind and it's just even like you say energy flu- not energy sorry weight fluctuations I have a bit of a laugh with my dad he's currently or has been trying to lose a weight not that he needs to I'll back him up he's a very fit man but he always wants to lose some weight and I think he was saying oh he needs to uh, was it lose two two pounds in order to kind of be under his target weight for Weight Watchers or something I can't remember but I laughed and, and said to my sister <laughs> for a woman we can fluctuate up to three pounds every single day just on water weight and and and, and depending on what our hormone, hormones are so that already shows you the huge difference between maybe a man losing a few, a few pounds and a woman because our bodies just hold on to and retain energy and nutrition and are affected by hormones so much more differently so if i if i know that and i'm not even a professional football player i'm sure and um, with some science these players are going to really excel with that knowledge exactly you know you do see sometimes when you watch a game and you think oh they look a bit sluggish out there today i think we you almost 
the brace, you know, it's just the whole thing is example of they, well, they look really sluggish today because they probably are really sluggish compared to previous times. So, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 good that this this science is, you know, mentioned about the app as well. It's it's a really interesting reading further into the article. It's um, it's fascinating what they're they're doing to try and help this and and you know try and push this further. Yeah, it will be, and I'm sure this this day to day. Um, training, which actually, um, I think the US national team did actually track their their menstrual cycles during the World Cup as well. And, you know, they went on to win the whole whole, whole tournament. So um, we can't say that they're not got something mm-hmm. something right if it did, con- um, I don't know, play a part in that. Um, but Hayes did go on to say that the players are going to be the first generation of women who are educated, well-educated about the menstrual cycle, and then they can spread this knowledge as far as possible. And then we can hope become it becomes a culture where everyone in football well, everyone in the footballing club and the world um, will be will be doing things like this. And I think that's a nice sentiment to have because it's not about just she's she's trying to emphasize this isn't just a, a thing that that Chelsea are doing in order to to become the best. It is uh, about just knowledge in general. And, and hopefully this will trickle down and it'll be something used structurally in the game so it can help all players. Um, so it's good to know that she's. Um, not using it as a as a way of just her team um, steering forward, but you know, it, if they do, it will be a, a great story to tell, won't it? It will be, yes. Yeah. So I'd be fascinated. We've been talking about it. It feels like forever this sort of thing. It's great to see that things are going into action now, and um, but you know, hoping all the best for Emma Hayes and, and the Chelsea team. Um, obviously, apart from being a Chelsea fan, but obviously for more for women's football as well. The fact that you know, if if this thing can work and we can and and really look into this, and if it helps players. Um, stay fresher and peak, you know, and have their peak performance on a game day, and you know, have their careers last on it longer because they haven't got these injuries. Then it's a perfect thing to happen, and uh, I hope that it, it's an amazing, uh, an amazing success. So, having said all of this, it's actually really good news because we did mention that um, hopefully we'll see some clubs following suit, and that the US national team um, are doing their training regime around um, looking at the cycles and that kind of training. However, um, I think it's just this week the Lionesses have said they're also going to adopting this training regime um, and it's their, the Linus's new physical performance manager Dawn Scott who's saying that she's creating a bespoke approach that um, we reckon that Neville has already said has made a big impact already so it's fantastic to see that he's so confident in it but it's great that this new physical um, performance manager is is looking at this training regime so if you've already got it in, at Chelsea and the Lionesses surely th- this this is a moment where everyone else catches on. It is, yeah, and I think it's going to be huge to see the Lionesses adopt this sort of thing. We're trying to work out ways of of taking that next step to come with one of the sides who can get to a final and win uh, and win a national tournament. We know Dom Scott did that with the US, and she's obviously a huge signing in a way for 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 Phil Neville to get someone like that in. Um, but it's interesting that they've they've done this, and we'll see what happens in the next few weeks as we go through the She Believes and work out um, what kind of impact it's had. Uh, Phil Neville, you know, he said about this: if we have a ta- we have to tailor our philosophies, profiles, the way we test strength and, and condition. Um, so they're obviously working into everything to try and obviously adapt and find these ways that we can that you know they can improve and maybe get one over the USA and that seems to be that last sort of stepping hurdle before being one of the sides that can win a tournament and as we said about a tournament there you know she believes is coming up again and hopefully England will try and defend their title that they won last year and Phil Neville was actually named a very youthful England squad um, which includes handing Grace Fisk her first senior call up um, and this was for the She Believes Cup which starts in March. It's fantastic news for her and it's exciting for us that the She Believe Cup is just around the corner. So um, Grace is actually a West Ham defender 
Arthur, and she's one of six um, players in the squad who's played at, who have played sorry, at the FIFA Under 20 World Cup in 2018. Um, but overall, it means eight of the squad, so that's tw- eight out of 22 players, are all under the age of 23 so it's fantastic really useful squad jack you bet you bet you're feeling old <laughs> but it's it's a good one moving um moving forward to, to think that we've got all this this talent and we've spoken before about looking to the bigger tournaments you can't expect these youngsters to be able to step up and perform if you don't give them some some sort of opportunity um in in the run-up and i think this is fantastic and, and phil neville's done right there i think yeah, it is interesting. I think he's taken advantage of a few sort of injury issues that you know a couple of players have had as well. And we're looking towards next summer, which is going to be huge for for the Lionesses hosting that Euros. So it's a good opportunity to see some players and get them in and try and work with them because you know in the future they may start getting into the squads anyway. So this is a really good opportunity for those players and for Phil Neville and his coaching staff to look at these uh, some of the youngster players coming through um, the Lionesses setup. Um, he's also recalled Everton striker Chloe Kelly, who's only 22 herself um, and has made one senior appearance. Um, that was in November 2018. She's played well this season, so that's a deserved call-up. Um, but unfortunately, Arsenal forward Beth Mead has been left out due to an injury, uh, which she did pick up in Thursday's win over Liverpool. Yeah, and we've also got um, goalkeeper Ellie Roebuck, who's been included. And that's, this is despite wearing a protective boot after um, that Man City FA Cup win against Ipswich on Sunday. That's a spoiler alert right there. Um, but this Man United's first choice keeper, Mary Earps, has been left out. So um, both mixture there on, on the fitness front. But it's it's good to see a, a range of people coming back and forward and showing the, the strength and how dynamic the team is. Yeah, so plenty of options. So we look forward to that when it does kick off um, at the start of March, as she believes. And hopefully the Lioness can defend their title. That that game against USA is going to be a very interesting one after what happened last summer. Um, but talking about the She Believes Cup, obviously that they're, they're starting to get their training sessions are going to be coming up soon. And um, we've got one more set of fixtures in the WSL. But um, one thing that Phil Neville has said um, is that it's not going to be an audition, the She Believes Cup, for his players before the Olympics and that any talk of Tokyo 2020 has been banned in the camp so very strict on this sort of thing but he's uh, kind of justified it I think yeah I don't know how 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 I don't know how how's he policing this I don't know are there going to be little mics everywhere trying to stop people from chittering about the chattering about the Olympics but I, I do understand his sentiment I think you, you don't want it to be a distraction you don't want to psych people out and like he said he seems to have put his foot down and said this isn't an audition for Tokyo um, and he's pretty much said that himself he said I've stopped all talk all my staff talking about the Olympics um, and I will stop my players and he goes this is an England camp we've got another England camp in April and we're focusing on it being only at an England camp and I think it's it's obviously to do with the fact that in the Olympics there'll be a mixture of players from you know Wales and Scotland and there's there's a lot more going on and I think it would be quite easy to get overexcited maybe too prematurely or be able to like I say psych yourself out so it's good that he he's thinking like this and it keeps everyone on their toes we've said this about Phil before he, he keeps changing things up he doesn't always um, go with the obvious um, and I think as a player it, it might actually help you just to be able to ignore it knowing that that's what you've been told as well exactly yeah and it's an interesting point because you know I think it'd be a good a good thing for him to talk about because there is this this thing obviously England is the, the nation which will probably will have a lot of play, the majority of players in the Olympic squad so it'd be seen as something which seems obvious for it to happen but you know they'll still be wearing England badge they've still got to have their England hat on basically to try and concentrate on that and not worry about the Olympics one thing he did say which was very important he said we can't go to the sheep blues and start talking about development for the olympics when there are 10 15 20 players that can't go to uh 
they could go to the Olympics are not even there. So players playing for Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, they're not going to be at the Sheba Leeds Cup, but they mm. could be there at the Olympics. So it's good not to talk about it because you know you don't you know there's lots of players who aren't going to be there to be able to talk about it, um, who will definitely be in the squad. Yeah, it's it's a it's a valid point. You can't have a conversation when most, well not most, but a good chunk of the players aren't there. But it just also shows how how much we've we've gone along and how that this is a topic of conversation rather than always just gearing up. And I think even Phil's and everyone's looking has has been looking back, us included, about what's happened at the World Cup last summer um, and how much the great the game has grown. We've seen about you know obviously investment, different um, promoters, um, deals, attendances, all going through the roof. I mean, a participation we. You know, TV coverage in the millions um but Neville's obviously really aware of that as well and he says that he's trying he thinks that everyone's still trying to catch up with that momentum and, and it, it's obviously brilliant for the fan point of view that it has so much attention um but he thinks that um there's obviously going to be more scrutiny um and expectation on his players but it's something that they've wanted um, more than ever so it's it's a bit of um I won't say oh, what the word is. It's both both a negative and, and you, the, probably the positive comes with with a bunch of negatives as well, where you can have this extra scrutiny, you can have the extra pressure. But obviously, the benefit is is that more people are looking to the women's game, which is overall a good thing, isn't it? Exactly, yeah, and you know the fact that people were talking about it, and it's a different scenario because obviously we've we've only had um, a very few occasions where we've had a British team in the Olympics because of the the problems we have with the the associations and not wanting to do that. Um, in some ways, you could say the argument is the women leading away really to see about if they can if they can make this work and be a success where we can still have a British team for the Olympics, but keep it individual nations for all the FIFA and UEFA competitions then the men might be able to look at it as well and say well actually maybe we'll be able to do it and it'd be a good thing because the Olympics is so huge and it's one of the biggest sporting events and it mm. is a bit of a shame that we don't get that representation in there when we could do. Yeah well I think this this is it isn't it where you, you've seen the progression and hopefully the women um, the women's team can really can really set the bar quite high and then go there and completely smash it off the back of all this learning that's happened since last summer and and obviously across well in the years previous to that too, but um, in terms of player development, particularly off the last back of last summer and um, these tournaments at the She Bleeds Cup now, which I know obviously we said it won't apply to all the players, but all this is still building momentum. And just to remind you, as I think Jack did allude there, we'll see a repeat of the World Cup semi-final as England start their defence um, of their sh- title as the She Bleeds Cup against um, the USA in Orlando on the 5th of March. Um, and they'll be uh, facing Olympic host Japan on the 8th of March in New Jersey before taking on Spain um, on the 11th of March. So get those dates in the diary. We'll, of course, be reminding you of them in due course. But it's right around the corner, so get excited. We are. It should be a hell of a free game. So looking forward to that. Um, some late nights as well, but it'd be well worth it. Um, and our sort of final news story read, and there's been a bit of talk this week from Fran Kirby, the Chelsea and Lionesses star, um, as she's sort of spoken about her absence away from the pitch uh, recently, saying that she feels 100 times better as she's recovering from a viral illness. She's not played since November after being diagnosed with pericarditis, uh, an inflammation of the fluid-filled sac around the heart. So very serious indeed. Um, she did tell the club website that she was struggling with understanding how and why it happened at first, but... Um, yeah, she's obviously spoken out about this very strange and a bit more unusual illness which kept her off the field. Yeah, it, it's it's a funny one because I think when you can when you're injured and there is, there's a cause behind, it, I think sometimes it's much easier to to be able to process. Um, but as someone who's also um, sort of suffered from something which you then can't explain and you don't know the hows and the whys, it's hard to sort of find a tangible reason and it, it can 
add to the stress of it really so I really do feel for her but it's excellent that she you know like you said she's feeling a lot better but she's had a rough time she said um she didn't even have the energy to be frustrated which I think is a huge one um quite an emotional person myself but imagine not having the energy to be frustrated that's how that's how bad she was in and she said she has no he had no emotion it took over my life in a negative way and um, she said it really hit her hard um, and left a lacking energy that she didn't even get off the sofa she was sleeping for 15 days it sounds similar to it's in a depressive state almost so I can imagine it being incredibly tough but it, it, it's something that it's really brave of her to come out and talk about. And I don't say that lightly because I think it's, it would be much easier sometimes to kind of avoid the questions. But it's great for an awareness of um, you know, other people who might have similar diagnosis or just suffering from something um, that they, they can't get their head around. I think it's good um, for things and players to be open about things like that. So um, well done for her for doing that. But it's good to see that she's um, she's much fitter. It is, yeah, and I think she's been spotted at a few games as well. So she's been able to sort of get out and about, and hopefully, um, you know, be full of them in. So um, hopefully, we'll see her back on the pitch soon. So we wish her well, um, and glad that she's sort of fighting fit, and we'll, we'll look forward to seeing her uh, back in the Chelsea and a Lionesses shirt soon. And just for fun, we're going to be introducing the quote of the week to our podcast where we're going to pick any random quote. I say it's not that random, hopefully, to do with the women's game, um, but a quote of the kind that may not even be relevant to a news story but just makes us laugh and so I've picked this one so hopefully Jack approves and so do all of you I hope you all approve as well um it's by Lucy Bronze who has posted on Twitter she says I'm English I'm from the north I'm proper north and proper east but today was just a pants and jumper kind of day and then she says hashtag Brits abroad hashtag sorry not sorry so this is a rather funny post of her basically training in some joggers and joggers pants and a jumper what do you make of that <laughs> Yeah, it's certainly interesting that she's, you know, she's gone with that. I think, you know, there's this thing about Leon and the glamour of everything that's there and the sunshine. But, you know, sometimes you just need to, you know, I'm not wondering if she's got the big long socks and she's wearing sandals with it afterwards. That's the interesting thing. We can't see her feet. But I imagine if she was off the picture, she did that as well um, to really oh, complete the look. Well, you know what? The, the reason why this quote made me laugh, sorry, this tweet made me laugh, is because um, th- this referring to joggers as pants, like... I- is definitely a northern thing now i know my accent might not tell you but i'm actually from york i'm from yorkshire so i'm i'm, a nor- I'm not as north but i'm definitely northern and pants just means different things and i it reminds me my mom's i don't know why my parents come into this podcast but I'll, I'll expose them anyway so my mom said when she first got married she was asked by her sister-in-law if she was wearing pants and she said she went bright red and was so embarrassed because she thought pants meant underwear so she thought you know <laughs> this mm. this her sister-in-law was was not it wasn't that inappropriate but she my mom's my mom's quite conservative so she was completely shocked that she was being asked if she was wearing underwear but of course pants just means trousers it depends mm. on who, who i don't know is it is it just a regional thing it must be right I think so, yeah, because I've always thought was of pants as as underwear, and then I, you know, I thought it was American thing where they called it pants. But I've got, I've got family in the north as well. When they started saying pants, and I was like, what? okay, you say it as well. All right, okay, I get it. Right, okay, that's that's you know, I, I'm on board now. Yeah, so yeah, that makes fun. I'm sure a few people must have done a double take when they read the tweet then as well. Be like, okay. Yeah. Pants and jumper kind of there. I don't know. Let us know if it's pants or pants or trousers. I mean, trousers is formal, but pants. Yeah, I I don't I don't think pants necessarily means underwear, but I suppose it does. Even when you say oh it's it's pants, if something's going badly, obviously the the, the rather um, nice version would be say it's going pants, wouldn't it? <laughs> mm. So maybe it's not it going does. trousers. I don't know. <laughs> 
we'll 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 let you decide we'll let our followers decide so let us know um if what does pants mean to you basically <laughs> uh, so we've played this part once again uh, as many games were postponed but we still had a couple of fa cup games uh, that went ahead this weekend uh, we'll start with the current holders manchester city who thrashed ipswich town 10-0 uh, pauline bremer jess park and georgia stanway all scored hat tricks with lucy coombs getting the uh, the other goal there and chelsea edged out liverpool thanks to a goal from guru writing um Birmingham city they won by the same scoreline away at Sunderland and on Monday night there were two 5-0 wins as Everton beat Bristol City and Tottenham Hotspur won at Coventry United. Oh the action there. Draw for the quarterfinals was made on Monday night and we have those lineups so we've got Crystal Palace all Brighton will be facing Birmingham City and we've got a big matchup from Everton versus Chelsea and you've got um, Arsenal all Lewis then who will be facing Spurs and then Leicester City all Reading will be facing Man City so still a few yet to be decided um, but all these ties will be played on Sunday, the 15th of March. And uh, the fixtures for this week then, uh, starting with the Barclays FA Women's Super League, uh, on Sunday the 23rd, we had the 12.30 kickoff, kicking things off with Everton versus Manchester United. And at 2pm, we have a flurry of games for Man City versus Chelsea. Um, and you lucky people will be able to watch that on BT Sport 2. We also have Brighton Hove Albion versus Tottenham Hotspurs and then Birmingham City versus Bristol. And at three o'clock, we have West Ham United versus Liverpool. So I'll be at that game. So we have a few clips from the two teams uh, next week. And I'll try and keep concentrate on that game with the and not watch Manchester City versus Chelsea through my fingers, basically, because that'll be quite a nervy one. <laughs> You'll be all right. And, uh, You'll be all right. FA... I'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. I'll be okay, hopefully. Well, I'll try to be professional, as always. Um, but they've got, obviously, the games from the WSL. Uh, we have got the FA Cup fifth round games as well that were postponed. Uh, starting the, the midweek, we've got Thursday on the 20th at 7.45. You have Leicester City versus Reading. And then on Sunday, Arsenal will be playing that game against Lewis. That's at 1 o'clock. And on a Tuesday, the 25th at 7.30, you have Crystal Palace versus Brighton Hove Albion. You do indeed. And looking towards the FA Women's Championship on Sunday, the 23rd of February, the action will kick off at 12 o'clock. So midday, you've got London Bees will be facing Durham. And this is the game that will be put on the FA player. So you can all watch it on that. And the two o'clock games are Leicester City versus Charlton Athletic, uh, London City Lionesses versus Crystal Palace and Aston Villa versus Coventry United. And that's a wrap on our podcast. I think this is our 70, was it 71st episode, just in case mm. you'd like to keep track with us. But we'd like to thank you as always for listening. Please do tweet us with any of your thoughts on the stories we've discussed today, whether it's that specific uh, menstrual cycle training around those kind of events or if you just want to give us your opinion on what pants means to you, we love to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts. So please do get in touch. Pants versus trousers. That's going to be an interesting debate for the week. Um, <laughs> but you can do that. But, you know, our Twitter account is at Women's Game Pod. So uh, if you want to send us reviews, you can do there. Uh, if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, uh, you can rate and leave a comment on any of the podcasting services. That does really help us. Oh. It does indeed. But that's been all from us. It's been a woman's game. We'll see you next week.